With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Uh, This is your moderator, Tom Reed. I am joined by Taylor Haas, who is just back from Buffalo. And Dave Molinari uh, to talk all things Penguins. Uh, Penguins coming off a 4-2 to loss Sunday in Buffalo. Uh, Taylor, you were there. What's your headline, at least from the game? Uh, I mean, what I wrote about from that game was that the, the Penguins didn't seem to be too concerned uh, with losing to Buffalo the way they did. Um, you know, there wasn't a, a symptom of anything larger that they can't fix uh, before, you know, they get to the playoffs or, you know, the, this push uh, for the, the last stretch of the season. Um, the What they just kept saying is that, you know, they came out flat and they, they were outworked, which I, Bluger did say uh, is concerning, a little concerning at this point in the year. But um, it's uh, I, it's something that they can fix at least. Dave, this team is uh, was going humming along so well with 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 so many key pieces, and we're going to get into that in the second segment. So many key pieces out of this team. They're four and four right now uh, in the last eight games. They're still right in the thick of the the the, uh, the race to still uh, maybe win this division. Uh, but things are really tightening up here, at least among the playoff, the teams jockeying for playoff position. Is this any, this little average spell, any concern for you? Uh, not, not particularly other than, you know, the continued absence of, you know, some, some pretty important forwards with Malkin and Kapanen and uh, Tanov, you know, that's, there's no indication that any of them will be back in the immediate future. You know, Tanov apparently is uh, done until the playoffs. So, you know, being without those guys, I, I think, is a much bigger issue for them than than the results of the past half dozen or so games. You know, yes, they, uh, they did uh, lose in Buffalo Sunday and didn't look particularly good doing it. And that's, you know, to some extent, a credit to the Sabres who are playing, you know, pretty well for the last few weeks. It's worth noting, though, that, you know, Buffalo is not the first team to raise its game once its season has been lost. Um, you know, a lot of teams have performed better once, once there's no pressure on them to perform. So, um, you know, the Penguins having a, a flat game on, on Sunday, I don't think is anything that uh, they should be particularly concerned about unless it, you know, turns out to be the start of a trend. And Dustin took our, yeah, Dustin Tokarski is really good too. Uh, you have to point that out for, for both both of those games. Um, and he's been pretty good ever since he he came up and, and started playing for Buffalo this season. But uh, yeah, not yeah, Tokarski is a big part of that. Uh, that kind of flows into our next topic, which is uh, now th- uh, t- talk about teams that are playing out the string and playing with no pressure on them. 
uh, here comes the Devils, who are who are off, who are just off of four consecutive losses uh, to the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, again, these are teams that you would expect the Penguins uh, to beat. Uh, and Taylor, what is your confidence level of, of of this team? You know, we've seen them in the last couple of days lose to the Flyers, a team that was came into Pittsburgh in all kind of disarray. Uh, Buffalo, uh, you know, again, got a game off of him, an afternoon game off of him on Sunday. Where, where is your confidence level of maybe taking all six points out of, out of, out of these next three games? Yeah, it, it's not going to be easy. I mean, like the Sabres, they, they just played or not the Sabres from, from earlier in the season. And like Dave just mentioned that, um, uh, you know, some of these teams, when they're kind of out of it and playing with no pressure, then that can make them a little bit more dangerous. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned it before, like going back to the, the 03-04 Penguins, like how awful were they? After they ended that 18-game losing streak, they went 11-5-3 to finish the season, um, like their, their, their best run of the year, um, yeah. when they were playing with no pressure. So, I mean, that could be kind of what we're going to see from some of these uh, lower, you know, teams at the bottom of the standings uh and so yeah it's not going to be easy like it may have been earlier in the season yeah that that said you know the you know the sabers certainly looked like a better team than they were you know leading up to the trade deadline new jersey on the other hand which you know the penguins played in newark a couple of times recently really doesn't look like the team it was before it uh traded Palmieri and Zajac to the Islanders. Uh, I, I don't think there will ever be such a thing as an easy victory for the Penguins against New Jersey. But, you know, the, the Devils seemed less imposing uh, with those two guys gone uh, than they had been when they were around, particularly Zajac, who, you know, practically made a career playing against the Penguins. Yeah, good points. I know against the Rangers, uh, they were missing two of their best players in Brat and Zaka. Uh, not sure exactly where that they are as far as coming back into the lineup, but I, I got to tell you, uh, that penalty kill may be the worst I've seen in the NHL in quite some time. Pittsburgh, there were so many seams open through the box. Uh, you would you would like to think that the Penguins. Uh, could certainly get some goals on the power play. It's now the youngest team in the league. Uh, again, it's hard It's hard to sweep a team over three games, but you would expect at least, I would think, five five points out of this, and especially in the way that uh, you know this is, this is mounting up to be a race that may come down to the last week of the season. Heck, it may come down to those two late games against the Capitals for uh, the top team. Uh, one thing I know for sure, uh, as we go through these last weeks of the season, Taylor, this penalty kill, uh, you wrote about this in your, in your game story uh, to, uh, on Monday, uh, that's got to get a little bit better. That's eight games now uh, they've allowed a goal. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on what you see here? Yeah, I mean, it's they've been streaky kind of throughout the season. Now, the, the goal they allowed uh, against Buffalo in that, in that second game, that really isn't even necessarily on the, the the BK was good, pretty good that game. The goal they allowed, uh, Casey to Smith really didn't look that good on. Um, but it, it was it was a pretty good kill earlier in the in the game. And uh, but yeah, I just <laughs> I don't I don't, I don't know what what the answer is because they have you know looked really good for some stretches and then you know earlier in the season uh, you know they've they've been on kind of runs like this. 
part of it is that, you know, they're missing so many key guys. Um, I mean, Gaudreau was really good for a stretch there. He's out. Uh, Tanev's out. Uh, Bluger just got back. But, I mean, you're, you're putting Jankowski out there for big minutes again on the PK. Um, it's uh, it's not easy. Dave, just your thoughts on, on, on what you've seen with this with this penalty killing group? Well, I, I think one big issue for them throughout the year, and this didn't particularly change when they were on a good run, is other teams do a really good job of putting people in front of the net, and the Penguins don't do a good job of not only do they not move them out of there because you, you can't cross-check a guy in the back six times anymore to uh, get him away from the crease. But, you know, they, they often don't tie up guys' sticks in front of the net, so they're able to get deflections and rebounds and, you know, some second-chance opportunities, you know, that turn out to be pretty high, um, high percentage chances and often translate to goals. Um, you know, frankly, it's hard to believe that at this point of the season that could become something that they uh, are able to turn around. But it, it would certainly be in, in their interest if they made life a little more uh, difficult for, for people in front of their net. And I know with you, this has been this has been something you have were harping on before the trade deadline as well. You were, you know, when, when I can remember a couple of times when we're when we were talking about who could they potentially go after, you kept coming back to maybe uh, somebody with a little more sandpaper in front of the net. Yeah. I mean, it's, as I say, it's, it's been an issue all season and you know, that's uh, either something they, they chose not to address or, uh, you know, weren't uh, satisfied with the, the people who were available. I thought there were some, some decent options out there to, that, uh, could have been explored. Whether uh, Ron Hextall and his people actually looked into them, uh, we'll probably never know. But you know, I think uh, when you get into the playoffs and, and you know, special teams can can be such a difference maker, uh, that could really be a problem for the Penguins if if it's not an area of their game that's improved. All right, uh, we've got a lot more to come, including our guests today, Allison Lucan. Uh, one of the best data-driven storytellers out there. You've, you've probably heard her on a lot of different podcasts. She's got her own. Uh, also, a lot of times she's uh, all over Sirius NHL radio. She'll be our guest in the third segment. But So stick with us here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back uh, to the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. We get into our roundtable segment now, a little hot stove. And as we mentioned, we'll have Allison Lucan on in the third segment. Uh, but uh, Taylor and Dave, uh, we've now gotten three games of Jeff Carter as a Penguin. Uh, I think that's enough to at least give some initial impressions of, of how he's fit in and how he's looked. Taylor, I'll start with you. What, what, what have you seen in the first 180 minutes of the Jeff Carter era? Yeah, I thought he's been um, kind of a pleasant surprise. Like I know one of my concerns coming in was, you know, how we do it like face-offs because he hasn't really played center a whole lot up until now, but um, 
he's been he's been really good in the faceoff circle. He was um, 69% his first game, 55% his second game. Um, he was he was just one up under you know 500 in his in his the last game, but. Um, so I think that's been good to see because that was really one of my big questions coming in. Um, I think uh, we've seen, I mean, he only has the one point. And it was a good play. He came off the faceoff. But um, I think we've seen his speed really in all, all three of the games he's seen so far. And um, that was cool. I mean, we knew we knew he he had it coming in, He, he even though but he's like 36 years old. Uh, but he definitely still has the speed to keep up. So uh, that's been that's been nice to see. Dave, jump in there. Yeah, well, I was I was skeptical about his skating mostly because of his age um, and the fact that I think probably like a lot of people in the East, I don't see that many Los Angeles games, but I, you know, there hasn't been any cause for concern in that regard. You know, I guess whether he would wear down in coming weeks and months, you know, is something we'll have to see, but there's really been no evidence of that. And, you know, to this point, it's, it's a, pretty early impression, but mine, you know, to, to this point is a pretty favorable one. He's, he's been more of a plus for them than, than I necessarily expected him to be. Yeah. And I think one of the, the, I don't want to say anxieties with fans because it looks like the team is, is well positioned to make the playoffs, but maybe a curiosity of, of just how all this is going to fit together because with with Kapanen still out, with with Bluger being just coming back, and of course Malkin maybe you know not far behind Kapanen. What how this team's going to look? Do, you, do do we get any sense? Do you guys have any sense of what this is going to look like and how good this team can be coming down the stretch? And will it be enough time to really get a good evaluation going into the playoffs, Taylor? Yeah, um, I know. <sighs> We've seen it before where they have players that are hurt and they come back, you know, towards the end of the regular season, start of playoffs, and maybe it can be bad for the chemistry. They don't have a whole lot of time to get, uh, you know, settled back in. I think something that isn't, I guess, maybe encouraging or something uh, could be positive is that Malkin and Kapanen, they're, they're both out. They both should be coming back uh, before the playoffs start. We already know they have chemistry and that they can fit together. So we know uh you know they'd be getting that back and there there isn't a whole lot of maybe i guess playing around that they have to do there but uh yeah it's it's hard to, to really tell how how really anything beyond that will will look and fit together dave again i mean just it, it's it, it from a coaching standpoint i mean if you can put a if you can put yourself in the coaching standpoint because the gm's work is pretty much management's work is pretty much done here do you think mike sullivan is probably in his mind already deciding Okay, what fits? What fits where? Where would just just Jeff Carter uh, most likely look again, knowing that we're not going to have probably not the Penguins are not going to have Tanif back yet. Uh, you get a sense of what this team's going to look like uh, in those final week or two. Well, I, I think he probably has developed a, a sense of what he would like to experiment with. Um, you know, in in some cases, as with Malkin and Kapanen. Uh, you can assume that they will be reunited, but you know uh, he uh, still has to determine how he's going to put some of the other pieces together. You know, like uh, Carter, uh, who his line mates will be. So I, I don't think he can, you know, uh, have any firm plans because you know there will be 
new personnel groupings, you know, that will be together for the first time, especially in the case of Carter, who's only been here for a week or so. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm sure that uh, Sullivan and his staff have, have at least contemplated uh, what kind of uh, combinations they would like to get a look at before the playoffs arrive. Uh, last topic before we, we, we introduce our, our friend Allison Lucan to the show. You know, there's no question Aston Reese is a good player. Zach Aston Reese is a nice player. Uh, I love Teddy Bluger. Uh, I, I really, I think he's a, a kind of a, a developing player that I think he may still have more upside to show. But my goodness, those two guys look so much better, to me at least, when it's within there with Tanif. And again, Tanif may not be back until the start of this, uh, the playoffs or who knows when. When you look at that line, uh, just how good are those guys together? And what can you do with the other two guys to kind of get them go- either get them going or keep them going uh, until Tanif comes back? Uh, Taylor? I see – they're, I don't think they're bad uh, without, you know, when, when, when it's just maybe two of them or one of them. Um, something that we've seen from Aston Reese, I believe, the past two years is um, the impact he has on uh, any any line defensively when he's on it. Um, like the, the results statistically, it, he's like among the, the best in the in the league of his impact on the defense. Um, when he's playing and, and that that's been true so far, whether he's with Bluger and Tanev or, or neither of them or, uh, you know, what have you. So uh, I, I still think it, they, they can contribute without Tanev. But I mean, since since they've all been 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 Penguins, we've seen that they have been at their best uh, when yeah. it's the three of them together. But I mean, they, they do still I mean, on the PK, especially the PK hasn't been been great. But without them, I, I think it would be so much worse. So Dave. Um, well, I mean, there there's definitely a synergy when when the three of them are together, um, but you know, at least in part, it's because Tanev is the ideal kind of player for for what that line is supposed to do. Um, you know, you're, you're you're certainly there's there's nobody there going to have who could be an upgrade on Tanev, and it's an awful lot to expect anybody else. Uh, to provide uh, the things he does. I mean, he plays with an energy that uh, simply is matched by very few, if any, guys in the league. Um, the good thing for the, the Penguins is that, uh, assuming Tanev is, is back either late in the regular season or, or in the playoffs, uh, that they have a pretty good idea of what they can expect from that line or should be able to expect from that line when it's intact. You know, it's the, those guys have been together enough that, uh, you know, they, they have a track record now. And so, you know, while we were discussing, you know, uh, Sullivan wanting to see what uh, combinations might work and what sort of experimentation should go on, you know, there shouldn't be any experimenting needed with the with the Bluger line because they've shown what they're capable of. Yeah. All right. Uh, good stuff. We'll be back in the third segment. As I said, promised, we will have Allison Lucan 
to join us. We'll uh, have a little deep dive into some analytical uh, data points with the Penguins and uh, other teams in the East. So stay with us on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast, and we are delighted to be joined by Allison Lucan. Uh, anyone who's a big hockey fan has probably heard her on numerous broadcasts, uh, radio shows throughout the country. I, I can't even begin to name all the stuff she's on. She's, she's a wonderful data-driven writer. Uh, her work has appears in The Athletic, uh, different places. Uh, she has been at the MIT Sloan Conference, invited to be moderator there. Uh, she has the, the the tremendous Too Many Men podcast with Sarah Sivian and Shana uh, Goldman. I mean, I, I, Allison, we could waste the whole time just doing everything you're doing. Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, check is in the mail, Tom. What a lovely <laughs> introduction. I'm I'm honored to join you all. Thanks so much for having me. I'll try to live up to an ounce of that intro. (laughs) Allison, you know, again, we're going, we're going to really mine some of your expertise on analytics here. And obviously the big story here in the past two weeks, the trade deadline, the acquisition of Jeff Carter. When you look at this player uh, from an analytical standpoint, what have you seen in his past and where is he trending right now? Yeah, it's funny to be talking about Jeff Carter once again, he of of, of Blue Jackets lore. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's a, re- it's a really compelling acquisition for the Penguins. This is a player who, you know, had some injury and, and his game had really fallen off um, going back to the 17-18 season. He kind of took a nosedive in pretty much every underlying performance measure that we can look at. Um, But since then, he has started on the upswing, and Pittsburgh is catching him at his best over the past three years. Um, And if you use um, some of the um, random adjusted plus minus measures that the site Evolving Hockey uses to look at both offensive and defensive contributions of a player, interestingly, even over the past uh, couple years here, Jeff Carter is rating out better than Evgeny Malkin, interestingly enough, um, particularly in overall offensive quality. And when we look at what the Penguins are trying to do and and where they fall within their division this year, I think that's a really interesting storyline to think about what this player can bring uh, to his new team. Well, uh, as as far as storylines, we go back to the start of the season. One of the storylines, obviously, Matt Murray. Uh, Jettison Dada here after winning a couple of cups and a, and a couple of playoff flameouts. Uh, the Reigns uh, then get turned over to Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. Uh, what have you seen in the numbers this year when you look at those two? Yeah, it's, you know, goaltending, I, I, I feel like we don't do it enough justice, all of us, um, because many of us don't understand it, myself included, um, and we don't really measure it as well as we could. But I, I think that um, while poor Matt Murray um, is having a, certainly a journey right now, um, <laughs> the, pe- the Penguins are, 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 are not as strong as maybe they could be. And, and interestingly, um, if we, and I know, you know, there was some struggle at the beginning of the season for the two, um, uh, DeSmith is actually ranking out a little bit higher when we look at how each goaltender is performing considering the shots he's faced. Um, so we're trying to look at things more so just then. How many shots did he stop? 
but in terms of how much quality was really coming his way, he's coming out a little bit ahead right now in terms of overperforming expectations. Okay. And of course, uh, for our readers know this too, Taylor uh, does does some really nice work with analytics as well in, in, in some of her stories. So I always encourage you when you're looking for a Pittsburgh angle to read some of Taylor's stories, some of her analytical work too. Uh, last thing, at least on the playing side from the Penguins, uh, obviously the playoffs are coming up. Uh, looks like uh, the Penguins are in pretty good shape. But when you look at a couple of the other teams in this division, I think everyone always keeps an eye on Washington uh, certainly the Islanders, these are two teams that have knocked them out early in the playoffs in the last couple of years. What do you see? Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting and fun to watch this division that's historically been a home for the Blue Jackets and isn't this year. Um, but, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a, a really challenging battle among these top three teams. Again, if you look at the the underlying numbers the Islanders really are just leading the group in terms of overall being able to tilt the ice their way offensively. Um, They're doing the best job defensively in terms of suppressing opponents um, and in creating some offense, um, not just in terms of volume, but in overall quality um, with the Capitals right behind them. So the Penguins, again, you know, we go back to that idea of adding Jeff Carter while it's one player any single way they can find to continue to boost their offensive abilities, which is crazy to say about a team with this kind of a roster, um, will, will be very important for them down the stretch here. Yeah. Allison, going uh, back to analytics, just what have you thought about the moves the Penguins have made in the analytical department uh, recently? I mean, they hired data scientist Katarina Wu. They already had Sam Venture. What have you thought about the moves they made? Yeah, I think this is going to be a huge differentiator for the organization in the coming years. You know, we keep hearing about player and puck tracking data. Um, Already, uh, admittedly, in my opinion, one of the smartest people in the sports analytics space in San Ventura. Um, They're bringing in people like Katarina who are going to be able to deal with this tracking data. And I think what's really important for people to understand is that this data is not necessarily coming in this pretty packaged way. Like when we all look at whatever site we go to, even if it's NHL.com, we're looking at data that's already organized and presented to us in a way that's easy to understand. This is a massive data dump. So teams need people, not just who have analytical understanding of how to do analysis, how to ask questions. They need people just to be able to organize this data so that they can ask the questions of the data. And I think this is an organization that is setting themselves up the right way with the right kind of people, the right kind of skills, and the number of people that they're starting to bring in. So this is going to be something to watch. I think Pittsburgh is really well situated for the next hopeful um, burgeoning of what analytics can teach us about the game. Uh, Allison, the, the team you're most familiar with uh, is having, I think it's safe to say, a disappointing season. <laughs> Are there any analytical numbers in particular that uh, underscore or explain the difficulties the, the Blue Jackets are experiencing? Yeah, you know, it, it, it. there are some other than, you know, some of the kinds of things we've talked about in terms of being able to generate offense or not. Often when you see, see teams fall off like the Blue Jackets have this year, you have to dig a little deeper and you can look at some of the microstats or uh, more manually tracked data points that we go to individuals like Corey Schneider for right now the loss of their center depth can really be measured in the team's inability to transition the puck. We see them really trailing in their ability to have successful exits out of their own zone. 
and then correspondingly get through the neutral zone and create successful entries into their offensive zone. If you can't move the puck, all this other stuff doesn't, there's not even a question because you can't even get to that point. So when you see a team break down like this one has, um, I think those are really some big answers to what's gone wrong with this team. Yeah, it's weird too, Allison. When you when you watch the Blue Jackets in years, the last couple of years, they have been so good at that, right? They've been mm-hmm. good at getting the puck out of the zone, and I, I don't just I just don't remember seeing early in the year, especially them just kind of flipping the puck out, just any way of you know old school nineteen seventies, just dump it out of the zone to get to get it out of there. It's just weird to watch that from the Blue Jackets. It sure is. It sure is. It's disappointing, and and I know that. That disappointment has felt uh, <laughs> quite a bit through the organization right now. All right. We'll get you out of here on this. Allison, at this time of the year, as as the playoffs uh, uh, are just a couple of weeks away, one of the storylines, whether we like it or not, that always comes uh, to a forefront is officiating, how the games will be officiated. Boy, there was quite the example this year in Columbus where there probably should have been a point where an NHL official is at least being able to interviewed uh, by media members or a media pool of explaining their decisions. Now, we know that, that the league is pretty good about after the fact uh, sending something in from the league and saying, here's, here's why a goal was called off or a, or a play was ruled off sides. But as far as what happened, explain a little bit what happened and, and in your thoughts on on if these people, if these officials should be accountable right after a game. Yeah. So for those who weren't following it, it was actually quite um, a significant series of events. Um, the Blue Jackets were hosting the Carolina Hurricanes. This was early in the season. Carolina scores a goal. Um, Columbus challenges for offsides. The challenge is quickly overruled. And the Blue Jackets, of course, go on the penalty kill. This is at the end of the first period. By the time the second period starts, the penalty, which had not expired on the clock, was erased from the board, but the goal by the Carolina Hurricanes was not. And the challenge was removed at the time from the play-by-play by the league. Um, we later come to find out that there was a training, an official in training in the room at the Blue Jackets Arena who misspoke when he shouldn't have spoke. The on-ice officials thought that it was Toronto offering a ruling and they announced the incorrect ruling. The play was, in fact, offsides. So during the intermission, Toronto decided to nullify the penalty, but they did not <laughs> take the goal off the board. And, of course, what was the margin of victory by the Carolina Hurricanes? One goal game. One goal game. Um, so, you know, listen, we are all human. Of course, we all make mistakes. But... Our jobs, all of us on, on this podcast right now, our jobs is to find the story as to why and what happened. And we demand and are most of the time granted an audience with everyone from players to coaches to general managers um, and sometimes presence of hockey operations if your organization has that. And I think that it is a fair request in these times, as you said, whether we have the head official answering questions or we're able to submit a certain amount of questions via a media representative for answer. I think we're getting to a point where these officials, it doesn't mean that we have to agree or disagree with them, but explain what they saw or explain what happened. These decisions often can be really critical to the outcome of a game. And I think that um, 
not just teams, not just players, but but fans and, and media d- deserve the opportunity to explore those stories. Oh, very good, great stuff. Uh, again, I, I hope uh, fans out there that, that that don't aren't familiar with Allison's work. Uh, you know, again, you can uh, you, you can look up some of her stuff on the Athletic. Great podcast she does uh, with Aaron Portsline in Columbus, but also again she has a tremendous podcast. Uh, Too many men uh, with Sarah Sivian and Sarah Goldman. Uh, I, I can't wait to have you back to learn more stuff about this because, as you mentioned, uh, this is good, this is going to come bigger and bigger in, in in this league as we go on the the importance of data and how teams perceive it. Thank you, Allison Lucan, uh, and that will be it uh, this week for us. Uh, for Dave Molinari and for Taylor Haas, this is Tom Reed. We will see you on Friday.